relationship with you. And then to take us on a journey to change us to be less like us and more like you. And God, we live in a crazy world right now. We live in a world, as Michelle says, upside down. It's, it's so messed up. It's so messed up. It's so full of pain and sorrow and heartache and, and, and just confusion. And God, we are seeking desperately to be different than the world. We don't want to be separate from the world because you've called us to be on mission to that world, that you, you came and you loved that world. The Bible says you were a friend of sinners. But God, we want to be different. We want to stand out. We want to have that image in us restored that when people look at us, they no longer see another human being, but they see you in us. And they'll find that attractive and they'll find that beautiful. God, I pray now as we seek to continue our conversation about what's going on in our world, that you would be here amongst us, that you would guide uh, the next few minutes, and that you would just simply speak through me to every heart and every mind, that we would allow ourselves to, to be transformed by you, and that we would be the clay in your hands rather than trying to make you the clay in ours. We love you so much. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I felt, felt it necessary to continue a conversation that we kind of started last week based off of what is going on in our world and in our society. And I titled this message, Human Division, because I've been thinking a lot about that, because I think this is the thing that is at the forefront of our culture and our society right now, we're forced to stare in the face of the fact that we as humanity are divided in so many different ways. The one that divides us most right now, I think the one that is at least in the spotlight is racial division. And that is one that I, I believe needs to be dealt with. But I, I want to, you know, just to say this, there are many more divisions in humanity besides, besides race. This is the one that is in the forefront right now. But humanity in general is very, very divided. We're very split and fragmented, and we, we, we huddle together in little groups uh, where everybody looks like us and talks like us and thinks like us. And if you're not part of that little group, you're the enemy. You're against us. And, and this could be racial. This could be the male, female, this could be politics, this could be what country you were from, this could be all sorts of different things. Obviously, racial is the one that's at the forefront right now, and that's the one that we're dealing with. But what it's caused me to do, to be honest with you, is to, to take a step back and examine and say, what does the Bible have to say about human division? What does the Bible have to say about what is going on in humanity right now and what this means for us as Jesus followers uh, and, and how we can interact with this world that we do find ourselves living in and, and, and is this the way that it's supposed to be is kind of the questions I was asking. And so I kind of want to start at the beginning with you if, you, if you don't mind really quick, just to refresh our memory and this is not anything that is new for you if you've been around uh, the church long enough. But Genesis, uh, the second chapter, I have a bunch of verses on the screen, but this one I didn't put up there. Genesis, the second chapter, uh, I'm trying to find my spot here. 
I'm sorry, it's actually Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And so what we find in this passage at the beginning, before sin enters the picture, is we find that God has created human beings, and God has created human beings in his image. We've talked about this many, many times, and what that implies and what that means. But one of the things that I want to pull out of this passage is the fact that God created human beings to be more than one. There was not just one. There was not just Adam. There was not just Eve. There was more than one. So since the beginning, there has been more than one kind, or I'm not kind, there's been more than one human, right? We've been created in community. God in himself is a relational God. We've talked about this concept here before as well. God himself, there's Father, there's Son, there's Holy Spirit. So within God himself, there is communion, there's relationship, right? And so he created humanity in the same way. And what that means is like as human beings, we are designed by our maker to live in relationship with other human beings. It's supposed to be that way. Okay, so this answers the first question, does this mean because all this craziness we just go live in a cave by ourselves? No, right? We were designed to live in relationship with other human beings. But here's, here's, the, here's the thing, guys. Before sin enters the picture, before sin enters the picture, there was perfect harmony in that relationship, both between God and humanity and humanity and humanity. There was not any bad blood. There was not any misunderstanding. There was not any turmoil. There was no fights. Hey, married people, listen to me. Adam and Eve before sin never had a conflict. Period. It's hard for us to wrap our mind around, isn't it? We have not known anything but that in the sinful planet we live in. And in fact, they tell you when you get married, they say, hey, if you haven't had a fight yet, uh, you might want to have that before you get married so you learn how to fight fair, right? You, know, you hear that? You know, this is part of culture we live in. We're so used to conflict and, and, and like, having that part of our, our reality. But the Bible says it was not supposed to be that way in the beginning. It was not created in that way. Here's what happens, guys, and I'm going to kind of rush through a lot of this stuff because I'm just trying to set the groundwork for what I want to really talk about. When sin enters the picture... Sin enters the picture, it did two things. It broke two relationships. It broke the relationship between us and God. And we're all well aware of that, that breakdown in that relationship, right? Adam and Eve ran and they did what? They hid, right? They hid from God because they sinned. And actually they hid from God because they believed the lie of the, of the devil, the serpent. And they had an idea about God that was not true. They thought in their mind that God was somebody they, that he's not. And so they felt that they had to be afraid of God. And they ran and hid from him really for no reason because there's nothing to be afraid of. But they felt that way. And ever since, human beings, when they sin, which we all do, have had this tendency and urge to run and hide from God. Because we, in our DNA, in our fallen states, have a misperception of the character of God. We misperceive that. The second thing that happens is this perfect harmony, this perfect balance between Adam and Eve goes out the window. Have you noticed how quickly that changed in the, in the Genesis narrative, by the way? Like, so Adam and Eve, like, a Adam, by the way, Eve comes to him, she, she, you could... You could 
argue the case. Eve was deceived. Adam wasn't. And we, I'm not, I'm not going to go down that road. But anyway, Adam brings the fruit, or Eve brings the fruit to Adam. And basically, Adam chooses Eve over God. Adam knew full well what he was doing. And he says, I'm going to choose her. Right? I'm going to choose her. So, like, you can be like, oh, it's so romantic. You know, like, oh, that's so, that's so beautiful. Okay? But guess what? That same guy, about three seconds later, you know what he's doing? Hey, that woman you gave me, <laughs> it's her fault. He's throwing her under the bus with God. Immediately, almost immediately after sin entered the picture, that perfect relational bliss that human beings experience is gone. And even in the marriage, they were throwing each other under the bus. And they were instantly selfish and self-centered and looking out for themselves. Almost instantly. Almost instantly. Now here's the thing. You, you, you look at, at the development then of humanity in this sinful state, and you realize something, that the human beings, up until the, the, the Tower of Babel, all of them spoke the same language and were essentially one human family. Are you with me? There was no racial differences. There were no language barriers. And they all lived in the same part of the world. Are you with me? In fact, it says in Genesis chapter 11, verse 1, now the whole earth had one language and the same words. Can you imagine that? Ara, can you imagine not having more than one language? <laughs> Think about this. Like, no language difference. Right? Same words. The, no translators, no misunderstandings. No, like, everybody spoke the same language. Okay? And lived in the same area. It goes on in verse 8 in the same chapter. It says, so the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. So what is it saying is what happened in the Tower of Babel is God comes along, and if you know the story, you know that basically God says, you know what, you know, these, these people are so sinful that if I don't do something, uh, they're, they're going to, to create a, a, a culture, they're going to create a system that is going to be so detrimental to my plans for this world that, that it's going it's, it's to, you know, be negatively affecting my plans for this world. So what does he do? He brings in the language barrier. God devised the languages, and from that, they dispersed all over the face of the world, all over the face of the earth, into different parts of the world. So up to this point, human beings lived in the same place in the world, spoke the same language, and there was no skin tone difference. You with me? Everybody was the same. Everybody. By the way, you know, somebody once said, you know, yeah, we all come from Adam and Eve, but you can go even further than that. We all come from Noah, <laughs> right? Noah and his three sons, if, if you're a human being, guess what? We all trace back to Noah, every single one of us, every single one of us. We're one human family. So what happens is over time, humanity disperses over the earth, and from the biblical, biblical perspective, and this actually, I believe actually that a lot of times what the Bible teaches and what science teaches do coincide. And science tells us that human beings have adapted to different climates around the world uh, depending on the climate in which they live. And uh, I believe that's what happened. From the Tower of Babel, human beings spread out all over the face of the planet with their different language groups. And depending on what part of the world they settled in, their skin tone became either light or dark or a mix in between or something or other. And so now all of a sudden the world is divided 
by skin tone and language, okay? Now, what happens is in these different places, in these different groups of people, over time, they develop different cultures and different traditions and different ways of doing things in that part of the world amongst that language group. And this is the beginnings of what we think of today as the world in different countries, right? This is kind of the beginnings of that. So the Bible says that this was actually done by God, but it was done by God for a specific purpose, okay? But I want to I wanna just backtrack for a second and say, we, we know now where the division on that front comes from, okay? But I want to back up a second and, and ask the question, does this then mean that God <laughs> has a favorite? Does this then mean that God, you know, came to one group of people because they're more special than another group of people? Does this then mean that because humans are spread out all over the face of the planet and speak different languages and have different skin tones, that they are still not one human family? Are you guys with me? I can't, I can't tell with your mask. Are you tracking my, my train of thought here? Does that, is that what it means? Because there's Christians, and I want to make this very clear. Those people who, who, who say this, they haven't read their Bible. <laughs> they just haven't, and I'm going to make that point in, a very, in quick in a second. But there are Christians who use the Bible, or I should say misuse the Bible, to say that there are certain groups of people that God has cursed and doesn't like, and there are other groups of people that God has blessed and God has favor upon, and therefore this is the way it's supposed to be. By the way, these are the same arguments that were used in this country for slavery about a hundred and some years ago. Anybody ever heard those arguments before? I see a couple hands. I want to say a couple of things before I get to my main point. The first one is this. I can understand how somebody who lives in this world today and has no relationship with God or biblical understanding might judge other groups of people in a, a negative way because they're not like them and they don't understand them. And I can maybe understand that. But I do not understand. I'm not, I'm not saying it's okay. I'm, I'm two different things. What I do not understand are so-called Christians who do the same thing. And I'm going to make a point about this. The Old Testament, God had a group of people called the nation of Israel, right? The nation of Israel are the descendants of Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. The 12 tribes of Israel are the 12 sons of Jacob. And they become the nation of Israel, the Israelites. You know, they go into captivity in, in Egypt, and then he sets them free, and they get the promised land, that whole story, right? But here's the thing. God had always intended that the nation of Israel was to be a nation that was to actually take the message of who God was to the entire world. But the nation of Israel, over time, became elitist, 
and decided that they were different than everybody else. They were better than everybody else. And oh, by the way, if you're not a Jew, then your life doesn't matter. You can't be saved. And we can do and treat you however we want because you're basically just an animal. And I want to make this very clear. The same racial issues we have today was the same issues that the nation of Israel had in their view of what we call the Gentiles. You want to know why there were such issues between the Samaritans when Jesus went through Samaria and the Israelites? It's because the Israelites looked down on those people as subhuman and they treated them like dirt, much like there's groups of people today that are treated the same way because of racial things. That's why. The nation of Israel, God's people, became racists. God's people looked out at everybody else that was not like them, and instead of saying, you know what, God has called us to go to these people with this message to be the light on the hill that is going to show a new way of life, a new way of doing things. This is the way it's supposed to be, to show and put on display the character of God. They said, no, 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 we're special, we're different, you can't have this, it's all mine. And they looked down at those people as not even human. This is why when Jesus comes into the picture and he is born into that nation many years later as a Jew and he was giving them one last chance to turn it around. He was giving them one last chance to to get it right and many, many, many times Jesus in his interactions with with. Uh, the, the nation of Israel and with, with humanity, he, he over and over and over again was breaking down these prejudices and breaking down these barriers that they had just hardened into their minds in separating and dividing humanity into different groups. And Jesus came to work against that. By the way, in John 3, verse 16, one of the most famous passages of all, I go back to it over and over again because it, uh, it, it says it the clearest. For God so loved the world. What's the world mean? Is that everybody, right? Everybody. God loves everybody. Every single human being that lives and has ever lived, God loves just the same as he loves you. You are not specialer in God's eyes than any other human being that's ever lived. Are you with me? I want to make that clear. I don't care how long you've been walking with him. I don't care what color skin you got. You are not more special in God's eyes than anybody else. We are all equal in his eyes. Are you with me? Right? Jesus comes along and he says, I love the world so much. And by the way, Jesus says, I, I didn't, verse 17, I didn't come to condemn the world. What did he come for? He came that he might redeem the world and save us. He came, what is written? It means literally, I have come that you might know that what is going on right now, all this pain and heartache and sorrow and strife and misery and all this stuff is not going to be this way forever. There's hope for something better. There's hope for something better. And then you have these issues with, with guys like Peter. Peter, one of the disciples, man. You got to love Peter. I relate to Peter sometimes myself. But, uh, Peter was just, I got to say, Peter was a racist. He was. He struggled with racism. That dream he had with all the animals and the sheep, you know, 
and, and a lot of people go to talk about, oh, is this clean and unclean meat? No, 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 that's not what it's talking about. You know what it's talking about? It's talking about people. And Peter didn't want to go and preach the good news of who God was to anybody that wasn't a Jew because he didn't think they deserved to hear because they weren't on the same level as we are. This is a disciple. And Jesus comes along and teaches him a hard lesson. He says, no, 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 no. This is not how I operate my kingdom. This is not how things operate in my kingdom. And we know that after the Sony of Stephen, the gospel, you know, going to the Gentiles through Paul primarily and others. There's several passages in the New Testament. You know the New Testament was written primarily by Paul. You guys know that, right? <laughs> I mean, like three-fourths of the New Testament is Paul's letters. And uh, there's several passages that, that, that Paul writes some things. And I, I think it's relevant for what we're talking about today. The first one, a well-known passage, is there is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Now, I'm sorry, I don't know how you read a passage like this. And then look at the human divisions in our world today and say, God's okay with that being that way. Paul is saying, friends, that the, the unity that humanity once experienced, he is on a mission to restore that unity to humanity once again. And the agency through which God has chosen to do that work is the church, the body of Christ. And he's saying, you know where, where the nation of Israel screwed up and they became self-centered and they became a bunch of racists, basically? He's saying, the church, you're from everywhere. So you, even though you're from everywhere, you are coming together under one banner, under one God, and you're, he's, he's over all, through all, and in all, and, and, and this is going to be a new thing. And you are to be an example to the world of what I am trying to restore of the way things should be. He goes on in a different passage and says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or female, I'll add black or white, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. There are no longer any human divisions when you are a Christ follower. They don't exist. You are simply a human being that has been saved by grace through faith in Jesus, and we are all journeying together to being in a deeper relationship with him. That's it. No one is better than anybody else. Nobody is worse than anybody else. And in God's eyes, this stuff is gone. It's not there. And here's the thing. I talk a lot about how we need to emulate Christ, how Christ is our example, how he is, the, he is the, the messenger, he's the message, and he is the model for us, for how we do ministry, for who we are. Jesus came, and he came to a, a, a culture in the nation of Israel that was racist. And he came and he worked to break down those racial barriers between Jew and Gentile and to say, no, 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 this is for 
everybody, and, and I came to die for everybody, and, and this is not just for one group of people. Are you guys with me? And in my heart, what I feel when I look at our world today, and I'm just going to get real with you guys for a second, what I feel in our world today is that for many of us, we claim to be Christians, but our identity is not in being a follower of Jesus, but it's being a Republican or a Democrat. Our identity is not in being a follower of Jesus, but it's in being a red-blooded American. Our identity is not in following Jesus, but it's in what region of this country we live in, or what language we speak, or whatever else you want to put in there. Our identity, for many of us, is not in Christ Jesus. And this is the root of the problem. We are not going to be able to be what God has called us to be and be that example to the world around us and to, 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 to get rid of all these divisions that are in our humanity right now within the body of Christ unless all of us are sold out all in and say, this is my identity now and all that other stuff is gone. Paul, when he's saying right here, you know what he's saying? He's saying whatever you saw before it's gone. You don't see it anymore. The glasses that you were born with, the way you see the world, and you see skin color and differences, and no, 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 you don't see that anymore. Now what you see when you see another human being, you know what you see? You see a son or a daughter of God that whether they're walking with God currently or not, they are still a son or a daughter of God. That's what you see. You see the potential that somebody might have if you can allow God to use you to witness to that person that they have hope for something better than what they are currently experiencing. I believe we have a, a divine calling by God to, as Christians, to speak out against the the divisions of humanity that exist in our culture and say, this is not the way it's supposed to be. This is not okay. You might have that perspective out in the world, but as a Christian, I have a different perspective now. And I believe the church should be a safe haven for anybody and everybody to come to to escape that nonsense. I believe Elevate should be a place where all are welcome and loved equally. It hurts me. It hurts me when I look at what's going on in our country right now. But what hurts me more is when I get on social media and I see so-called Christians talking the same way. No wonder our churches are struggling. It's because there's so much hypocrisy. I'm not saying this because I believe that's any of you. I want to just say that up front. Elevate is a breath of fresh air for me. <laughs> it really is. And we have something special going on here. I believe that. But I want to encourage you guys not to get lazy and allow yourselves to slip back into your old perspectives that maybe you once had. But to be proactive in always continuing 
to have a new worldview, a new perspective, a new lens through which you see people. Maybe to even understand where you may have had prejudice in your life before. Maybe that's a healthy thing so that you can check that a little bit and say, you know what, I recognize that's in me and that's not okay. And this is, this is all of us, by the way. I want to say this. Like, it's not one group of people. Every single human being has prejudice in their heart. Every single human being. We're broken. We're broken. But God says, I have something better in store. I'm going to leave you with some hope. I'm going to leave you with some hope. Revelation 21, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven. The first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. You know what that sea is right there? That's not talking about the fact that there's no ocean anymore in heaven. John is on the island of Patmos when he's writing this, and the thing that separates him from the people he loves most is the sea. He's saying there will be no more separation. There will be no more, there will be no more, uh, you know, division. There will be no more of that nonsense that's going on in the world today. In verse 3, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. The Bible says at the end, when it's all said and done, we are going to be one group of humanity again. One group. There will be no division. Just the way it was at the beginning, it'll be restored to the same way at the end. And I don't know about you guys, but I want to be a part of that group. That's my desire. I want to be a part of that group. But if you want to be a part of that group, that doesn't, like, all of a sudden, you know, the second coming comes and you wake up and all of a sudden any racist tendencies you had are gone. God starts that process now. I want you to hear this. God starts that process now. God removes those prejudices. God removes those. This is called, it's a fancy word. It's called the process of sanctification. You know what that means? It means to make holy or to make like God. So literally, the process that God takes us on from the time we accept Jesus as our Savior on the cross to we either die or Jesus comes again, whichever one happens first, that entire time period, God is working to take the you out of you and replace it with a whole bunch of him. To restore the image that we were created to have. But he can't do that unless you let him. He can't do that unless you let him. God never forces himself on anybody. But that's his desire. That's what he wants to do. My prayer, my passion, as we're living in these crazy, crazy times, and the world is hurt and messed up and confused, is that Elevate will be what Israel should have been. (laughs) That Elevate will be what the church should have been. That we will actually be a body of believers that is doing this right in Hattiesburg. That is being a voice for those who don't have a voice. That is being an example for those who need to see that this is not how it's supposed to be. And I hope you have the same passion, the same desire to be a part of that body as I do. Pray with me. Father God, thank you so much for being who you are. You're such an awesome, amazing, majestical God. Every time I stop and contemplate who you are and your character, I'm blown away at how good you are when we don't even deserve it. God, my prayer, I know I'm talking about some hard stuff, but you know, God, I, I just my, my prayer is that we would we would hear what you're saying to us. That you're calling us into something new. 
that whatever our identity has been, it is no longer that. But our identity and our, our, our worldview and our culture is in being a follower of Jesus. And you are everything to us. God, my prayer is throughout this week and throughout the rest of our lives that we would allow you to work through us and speak through us and that every human being that we come in contact with that they would not just see another human but they would catch a glimpse of you they would see something in us that they haven't seen before make us your hands and your feet Jesus we pray in your name